Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, July 28th. A quick Disclaimer, before we start today's episode, I'm recording this podcast at 12.30 p.m. Pacific time. Why is that fact relevant to all of you Mini Break Podcast listeners? Because it means some of today's scheduled ATP and WTA tour-level matches have yet to conclude. In particular, while just about everything in Europe is done for the day, that ATP Atlanta event, with it being the back half of the tournament, has pushed most of the singles matches into to the night session portion of the schedule. Unfortunately for me, have some obligations tonight here in California. As such, won't be able to record a mini break podcast later today. Nevertheless, we know it's our job here at Cracked Rackets, particularly in a week that features three ATP tour level events, two WTA tour level events. It's our job to keep you up to date on everything that's happening day in, day out, whether it be the biggest storylines, biggest results, biggest controversies. That's the purpose of this mini break podcast and on a week with five tour level events unless it is your job you are being paid to cover tennis full time it would be impossible for anyone to follow all of the action that happens on any given day that said i'm well aware i won't be covering atlanta on this show my promise to all of you listeners will do it have a renewed focus on atlanta tomorrow in particular i'll have the opportunity to rewatch all of thursday's action tomorrow update you on all of those results as well as talk about what should be another exciting championship weekend in the professional tennis world as for the third time here on this podcast let me remind all of you listeners we have five tour-level events happening this week. And on Thursday, it was a particularly good day for the WTA's futures. There were countless players, 21 and under, just showing off the talent, showing off the depth in the pool of talent currently available right now on the WTA Tour. Of course, it probably starts with 2021 Junior French Open champion, now the ninth highest-ranked teenager on the WTA Tour. Of course, I'm referring to wildcard Linda Naskova who reaches her first tour-level quarterfinal with an impressive three-set victory over Alize Cornet. If you have not yet had the opportunity to watch Naskova, you're missing out. She's going to be a factor in the next decade of WTA tour-level results. And it feels like we say that about a new player on each one of these mini break podcast episodes, but I want to talk not only about the weapons Naskova has each time she steps out on the court, but about the mental maturity 
I saw from the twenty uh, from the seventeen year old Czech today, excuse me, who blew a first set lead against Alize Cornet, yet was still able to grind the match out in three sets. I want to talk about what impressed me most, not only again with her game, but with her composure as well on today's show. Talk about the massive opportunity she has this week in Prague, of course. Also succeeding in Prague, another former top junior player in the world, 21-year-old Anastasia Potapova, who we've talked about quite a bit over the past few weeks here on these Cracked Rackets podcasts. How can we not? She's made three consecutive quarterfinals over these past three weeks on during this European red clay court stretch. She reaches her, her fifth quarterfinal of the season this week, moving into the top 15 in terms of total quarterfinal appearances on the WTA Tour level this season. Potapova's been excellent. Naskova's been excellent. I want to explain why, again, those two youngsters have stolen the tennis world's attention with their performance in Prague. Of course, we can also talk about the upsets of the day. Annette Conteve continuing to roll, but Barbara Krachikova continues to struggle. And she committed over 80 errors today in a three-set loss to now Hibino Krachikova served for the match in set number two and really all fell apart after that. And I want to explain what I saw in the struggles from Krachikova on court. Have to give some credit to the Hibino tactics, and I can explain why on today's podcast. But again, Krachikova knocked off. Nevertheless, we're a glass half full sort of podcast. So I want to focus on the exceptional efforts of some of the young stars in Prague, some of the young stars in Warsaw as well. Of course, Iga Sviantek continues to cruise an 18th consecutive victory for the world number one on clay. We could talk about her performance slightly, I suppose. But how about 20-year-old Paul Maya Chavalinska? I mean, Chavalinska was exceptional today. Despite losing a three-set match to Petra Martic, and if you haven't watched the young Polish player play, the lefty presents a stark contrast to so many of the other young talents we see on the WTA Tour. Now, that contrast is never neither better nor worse than some of the other talented young players, but her game style, the variety she can play with, the physicality, the defensive skills, there's a lot to like about the young Polish player, and I want to explain what some of those things are here. On today's show, of course, we can continue to talk about some of the vets performing, whether it's Caroline Garcia, Jasmine Paolini, Victoria Golovich. Fun day. Again, a great day, dare you say, for the WTA's future here on Thursday, July 28th. But, you know, it's not just the WTA competing this week. We've got some ATP action, as I alluded to, three different ATP tournaments. Of course, perhaps most notably today was the elimination of Dominic Team in Kitzbühel. The 2019 Kitzbühel champion knocked off by 2020 Kitzbühel finalist, friend of our Crack Rackets program, and of course, former USC All-American Yannick Honefman. I want to talk about why the elevation, the conditions in Kitzbühel are just perfect for Honefman's game and why he still remains one of my favorite players of the past decade to enjoy just the variety he can impose on opponents match in match out was a fantastic day for him in Kitzbühel of course he wasn't your only winner on the day heck of an effort from Roberto Bautista Gut he survives in three sets over Yuri Lachetchko we can talk about that match not sure how much I'll mention the Albert Ramos Vanolas victory over Pedro Martinez as I think we all expected ARV who's just been so good on the clay courts throughout the course of his career he's the litmus test the standard for what it takes to be considered a top 25 clay court player that's probably all I 
I need to say, but I do want to talk Hanifman over team. Do want to talk RBA over Lachetchko. We can get into some of the funkiness in Umag as well. It was a day of upsets. Sebastian Baez was a 5-3 in the third. Found his lead evaporate as Franco Agamenone, the talented Italian, earns uh, or reaches his first ATP main draw quarterfinal with a three-set win over Baez. Marco Cecinato ends the streak of Lorenzo Musetti. We can talk again about all the developments surprising as they may be, that we saw over the past day in Umag. And then, you know, again, Atlanta has just started. Adrian Manorino currently up 7-5-5-3 on Andreas Martin. But as I alluded to earlier, that Atlanta event will be, will have renewed focus, I should say, on Atlanta starting tomorrow when I have an opportunity to actually watch and break down all of Thursday's matches. But again, the schedule, as always, here on the Mini Break Podcast, try to provide all of you listeners the information you need to thoroughly enjoy another exciting championship weekend on the ATP and WTA Tour. Of course, the reason we're able to do this day in, day out, provide you all with daily coverage is because of the support we get from all of you. We didn't, we wouldn't, and didn't, prior to learning about the receptiveness all of you fans and we wouldn't continue to host a daily podcast if we weren't a certain that the appetite was out there from tennis fans and a credit to all of you mini break listeners for proving that that appetite does exist but be again we're well aware for a common person the layman, dare I say, or just the most fanatic of tennis fans who have a day job or who have outside commitments beyond tennis. It's going to be impossible for you to follow five events in one given week. That's what our job is. We know to keep you the most well-informed, best-educated tennis fans in the business. And of course, the reason we're able to do that here on this podcast is because of the support we get not only from you listeners, but of course, from our friends at Tennis Point as well. Since it's the end of the week, I'll keep this one brief. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. Tennis-point.com. CR15 is that promo code. If you want to hear about the latest and greatest things happening at Tennis Point, tune into yesterday's Tennis Point Tuesday episode with Tennispoint.com's Nate Walrith. With all of that said, let's get into it. Another exciting day on the ATP and WTA Tour. In particular, I want to focus on the WTA action. Haven't done a good enough job of doing that this week. We had the opportunity to be on the broadcast for, I think it was four different WTA matches. At least I had that opportunity today as part of T2's extensive coverage of everything that happens day in, day out in the professional tennis world. But if we're going to start with Prague, we got to start with Linda Naskova. Naskova was just exceptional today. In her three-set victory over Alize Cornet was a 7-5-1-6-7-6 victory uh, for the 17-year-old who not only reaches her first WTA quarterfinal of her career, but gets her first WTA top 50 win in her career. Gets her first, I believe, WTA top 100 win of her career as well. And look, Naskova's 73-27. and 27. Through her first 110 matches, she's had a ton of success at the ITF level where you look at what she's done even since the start of last season. Naskova won four different ITF titles last year, wins two more here this year, including an 100K ITF title, which is the equivalent of a WTA challenger uh, at the start of this month. She's done it across different surfaces, too. Hard courts, clay courts. Of course, she's the former junior French Open champion, was ranked as number five in the junior rankings. She's got the pedigree. And why does she have that pedigree? Because she's got the game to succeed. And it starts with the serve, the plus one tennis she's able to play. The comparison I made on the broadcast was a more fluid ECAT, a more fluid Ekaterina Alexandrova, who 
we know when ECAT gets hot, she can beat any player on tour. I legitimately think Noskova is just a more consistent Alexandrova. She doesn't lack the pace of Alexandrova, who, of course, can smack the ball with depth and line drive power as well as anyone on the WTA Tour. Noskova is going to be in that sort of category of player as she moves through her career. And, you know, Noskova is not exactly massive, you know, in terms of her size. It's not as though she's six foot five or six foot five would be too tall, but it's not as though she's even six foot tall or, you know, a five ten sort of player. No, you look for Noskova, who I believe is listed. We actually don't have an official height for her. That's how young Noskova is at this point. Still 17 years old, born in 2004. Jesus, she's younger than my younger brother. That never is a good thing to see. But again, 73 and 27 overall, 28 and nine this year. She's just been cleaning up and beating everyone that she's supposed to beat. She qualifies for Roland Garros, her first appearance in a Grand Slam main draw in her career. And again, as a former junior French Open champion, probably could have gotten a wild card. She didn't. She goes the scenic route, comes through qualifying, doesn't drop a set uh, before getting knocked out by uh, Raducanu in three sets in the first round. Excuse me, she did drop a set in that second round qualifying match, but ultimately, again, straight set wins over Blinkovas from Kova. It's impressive run through qualifying. Of course, Noskova entered the week at a career high, number 102, by appearing in her first tour level quarterfinal. She's up to number 105 in the live rankings, one victory away from a top 100 debut. And again, I think it's off of both wings is what makes Noskova so impressive because certainly players have powerful forehands or as a backhand connoisseur, you know if we see a good backhand, we're going to point it out here at Cracked Rackets. But it's collectively all of the above for Noskova. It's the serve and just her ability. It's a slice-based serve, no doubt about it, but she goes after the serve and just, you know, again... Right now, and it's such a limited sample size, she's holding 85.7% of the time this season uh, when playing tour level or 100K level matches. And, you know, it's it's 10 total matches. You got to throw that number out, particularly, again, the better the competition she plays. And she's only played four, uh, excuse me, three top 100 players in her career. The higher she ranked, gets ranked, obviously, the tougher the competition will be. But her serve is a weapon that holds up, and her ability to find the slice serve out wide, her ability to find the body serve on the ad side, uh, her ability to just jam you with her plus one power, the depth on her return of serve, it's just miserable to deal with, as Alize Cornet found out. And, you know, to Noskova's credit, she rips off a 5-3 lead in the first set, only to see that lead dissipate. And this is where Noskova, to me, was most impressive, because 5-3 up, I believe Cornet serves and holds Holds 4-4-5. Noskova now serving for the set. Gets broken at 15-4-5 uh, all and just makes three sloppy, unforced errors for that five-all game. But then steadies the ship. And so you look for Noskova again, able to break Cornet right away for five-all and then able to hold serve and get over the hump when given that second opportunity to serve for the set for 7 5 I mean, that's toughness. That's exactly what you're looking for from the 17-year-old who made 62% of her first serves, created 12 breakpoint chances for herself, won 69% of her first serve points as well. I just thought she was rock solid. And again, set number one, 5-3 up, you know, has a set point, uh, sees that set point dissipate, right? And Or excuse me, doesn't even have a set point and is broken. But then, you know, you look for Noskova serving for it at 5-4 again. 
doesn't have a set point. Cornet does have game points to go up 6-5. Nascova lands a deep backhand return on that 40-30 point. She just kept swinging freely with that backhand. And again, for Nascova to see that 5-3 lead dissipate would have been very easy for the 17-year-old to say, you know what? I got a good win round number one. I'm at a career high ranking no matter what. Alizé Cornet, who's maybe on the brink of retirement, but may also be having a career season this year with her quarterfinal run in Australia. She's the only player to beat the world number one this season with her win over Iga at Wimbledon. And of course, Alizé Cornet is the ultimate physical challenge, you would say, for a player not like Nascova, because Cornet is just going to keep making ball after ball after ball and asking questions of the 17-year-old, which she did throughout the course of this match. And look again, Nascova goes up to love in in the first set uh, in the third set breaker. Alizé Cornet rips off a couple of straight points for three-two. Nascova seemingly has lost all of this momentum. No, excuse me. Was it, It's the other way around. Cornet went up to love in that third set breaker only to see Nascova resurrect herself and wake up once again. And Nascova goes on this massive you know, win streak in the breaker where from 2-0 down, she rips off six straight points to take a 6-2 lead and just overwhelms Cornet with her power, with her depth. But then makes a streak of unforced errors once again. And of course, for any 17-year-old, the delta between your ceiling and your floor as a player is always going to be at its biggest when you're at your youngest because you just haven't learned how to bridge those moments on a court when you're not playing your best tennis, when you lose rhythm. Winning ugly is something you develop over the course of your career. You know, 6-2 becomes 6-all very, very quickly for Cornet. But again, does Naskova blink? No, she doesn't. She didn't face a single match point in that breaker. And from 6-2 to 6-all, she wins the next point for 7-6. Yes, commits an error for 7-all and had the forehand she wanted, sprayed it long, but then opens up another opportunity for herself, a good uh, connected return, 8-7. All of a sudden, Naskova is serving for the match. And good first serve, good depth on the plus one shot, draws a Cornet error. She ultimately closes out the match, 7-5, 7-6 in the third. Again, into her first tour-level quarterfinal where she has a very winnable match over now Habino. Habino, a three-set winner today over Krachikova, 3-6-7-6-6-3. Krachikova served for the match up 5-3 in the second set and never got to match point. Just the physicality Habino was willing to show because Again, Krejcikova racked up over 80 errors in this match. She hit 19 more unforced errors than Habino, only hit one more winner than Habino in this match. Krejcikova's forehand was awful. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It was terrible today. She was spraying it wide. She was spraying it long. There was just no rhythm for Krejcikova on the return of serve or on the serve or on the forehand in general. Uh, the serve plus one is what I meant to say, not the serve. Whether it was the plus one ball, whether it was, again, the forehand return, I mean, I think th- 45 at least of the 60-plus unforced errors had to come on that forehand wing for Krejcikova. But to Krejcikova's credit, Again, to quote, who is it? Olivia Newton-John, I believe, is let's get physical. Um, I think things got physical. Yeah, it is, Olivia. Shout out to the memory. It is Olivia Newton-John. Things got physical in that matchup between Hibino and uh, Krejcikova. 
you notice for Krejcikova, particularly in set end of set two, start of set three, there's a little hitch in her back, a little hitch in her giddy up every time she tried to hit the serve. It was just so hard for her to create plus one opportunities or easy attacking opportunities for herself. And look, Habino made the match track me. Again, she Olivia Newton-John. She let things get physical. But Habino doesn't exactly have overwhelming weapons. And I do feel like who hits the ball hardest, who has the biggest weapons on the court in the Nascova-Habino quarterfinal match, obviously first uh, battle between these two in their career. Nascova looking for her first pro semifinal. Habino uh, looking for who reached her first tour-level semifinal of the season with her win over Krachikova. You look for her in her career uh, in terms of tour-level semifinals. She's made eight of them. Overall, coming into this event, hasn't made one, though, since September 2020 when she did so in Strasbourg. So only one in this pandemic era of tennis. Uh, Habino outside the top 250, but a chance to make a big leap back into the top 200 with another victory uh, over Noskova tomorrow. So both of these players, massive opportunity for Noskova. Win tomorrow means you're making your top 100 debut. And again, if she's patient but remains aggressive... The home crowd in Prague is also going to root the young Czech on. And again, I was just so impressed uh, by Naskova's power tennis, how easy it is for her off of both wings, her willingness to move forward and be the aggressor, be inside the baseline. She's also a hell of a mover as well. So a lot to like about Naskova. If you haven't yet, you really should. Naskova advances 7-6 in the third. Again, she'll be the beneficiary of that Habino upset. Habino 3-6-7-6-6-3 advancing over Krachikova. Again, the final bow on Krachikova, she's just not playing well right now. The forehand spring on her. I thought physically this was the best match she played. And there were moments, particularly she gets broken to start the first set, She uh, to start the third set, excuse me, she breaks right away, right back. And she had a plethora of breakpoint opportunities in set number three and had a couple of backhands on her rackets or forehand returns that she just sprayed right away. Gave away too many free points, but I thought physically she looked a lot better minus the back on the serve. It's just the rhythm, the small steps, the forehand inside out. She's missing it too far wide, or she's just a little bit uncomfortable with that ball. I mean, she's just, you know, she's number 18 in the world. She's not playing like it. Uh, she's I don't think she's playing up to her potential right now, and so certainly should have the opportunity uh, to continue to rock and roll uh, in my opinion, on the WTA Tour. And I, I do think she will have more opportunities to regain her form here in the hard court summer, but uh, certainly not playing her best stuff uh, this week in Prague, even though I do think physically this was the best week of tennis we've seen from her since she returned. And, you know, it's going to be fun. Habino, Nastkova, that's your bottom half quarterfinal. Uh, that's one of your quarterfinals. Of course, you've also got a rematch of the Hamburg semifinal, probably my favorite match I've broadcasted while here at the Tennis Channel studios. And it's a rematch between Conteve and Potapova. Now, I've talked enough about both of those players, so if you want to hear more about each of them, go listen to the past 10 days of mini break podcast feeds. But Again, for Potapova, I mentioned it in the intro, fifth quarterfinal for her on the year. That's a top 15 number amongst all top 50 WTA Tour level players. She just doesn't have a definitive weakness. And you look for Potapova now. She's 38th in the points race. She's closing in on a top 50 debut. The 21-year-old Russian, a former world junior number one, currently a career high number 57 in the live rankings. Uh, her opponent today, Julin, just could not hurt her 
consistently. And when Potapova wanted to lock in, which is down 4-2, I believe, in the fir- or 5-2 in the second set and down maybe 4-1 or 4-2 in that first set as well. She was down in both sets, uh, ultimately a 6-4, 7-6 victory for Potapova. How much gas does she have left in the tank, though? Three consecutive quarterfinals. Now she'll take on top seed Annette Conteve to Conteve a 6-4, 6-3 victory over another one of the talented young Czechs, Lucy Havlachova. Conteve just made it look routine. I think that's the biggest compliment I can offer her. Didn't serve particularly well, was under 60% of her first serves, and yet dropped just, you know, uh, six plus nine is 15 total points on serve on a day where she served 10 times and you drop fewer than 20 points. It's getting the job done. You look for Conteve. She faced two break points in the match, was broken once, but very quickly got that break back. And just as swinging freely, finally seems physically fit. And I think I mentioned this with Nate yesterday. You turn to Tennis Abstract's ELO ratings, which, of course, measure who you beat, how you beat them, not where and when, like the tour rankings. Uh, according to Tennis Abstract, Annette Conteve is the second-best hardcore player in the world right now, behind only Iga Sviantek, ahead of players, though not by much, like Own Shabur, Naomi Osaka. Paula Bedosa, Simona Halep. Now, they're all within what a political poll would call the margin of error. You know, very, very few, very, very little separation between Conteve and the rest of, you know, two through nine on the WTA hardcourt ELO ratings. You could pick a name out of a hat, and on the right day, they'll look like the second best player behind Iga. But, you know, again, Conteve absolutely in that conversation. And you look at the quarterfinals, I like them. Conteve versus Potapova could be a championship match. Naskova versus Habino. It's a massive opportunity for Naskova. Marie Buzkova taking on Selekmenteva. Uh, it's a big opportunity for Buzkova as well, who may not have the pedigree of the players like Naskova and Potapova. But let's not forget Marie Buzkova. Is still ridiculous. Like she just turned 24 years old a week ago. There's a lot of upside remaining for the young Czech, and so big opportunity for her to make a final in front of her home crowd. And then, of course, Magda Lynette, Wang Chung, who've actually played five times. It's a three-two head-to-head advantage for Lynette. It always gets funky when those two share the court. Uh, so again, that's a really fun slate of matches scheduled for the day in Prague. But, you know, I mentioned it's a great day for the WTA's future. It wasn't just Prague where we saw those things pay dividends. In particular, Maya Chavlinska, uh, uh, excuse me, and shout out to Damian Kust, who has tried his best to coach me into the pronunciation of Chavlinska. I'm doing my best. I apologize if it's not ideal, but you look for the 20-year-old pole today. She was just... Excellent. The lefty. Her defensive skills, her variety. It's Medvedevian. It reminds me a lot of another lefty, Marketa Von Druseva, and how Chavlinska uh, throws in the drop shot, how well she spreads the court, and just was throwing elevated forehand, elevated ball after elevated ball with great depth, but just made that Petra Martic backhand uncomfortable. And credit to Petra Martic, who you know, doesn't face a break point, I believe, or maybe face two break points through her first seven service games of the match and ended up holding on all of them. It was up 6-3, 3-2, break of serve. Then Blinks plays four really bad games, five really consecutively to lose the second set, go down a break, one love in the third. Then Martic steadied the ship, found the forehand corner, did such a good job of spreading Chalinska throughout the course of this match, but 
the biggest difference between Martic and Havlinska, when Martic had her opponent on the stretch, Martic was so smart about moving forward into the court and, you know, again, hitting the volley out of the air, just taking time and space away from her opponent. I was quite impressed with Martic. That said, Havlinska is now 36-12 and 12 overall in the 2022 season. And all but two of those wins, well, I guess all but five, uh, five of those wins because she qualified for Wimbledon just a month ago. But I know all but five of those wins have come at the ITF level. Still, if you're winning over 80% of your matches, you have my attention. And the young lefties just so smooth and so physically fit was there was not a, a shred of fatigue throughout her two hours 45 minutes on court today and of course for Havlinska in front of a home crowd playing a player who had won six consecutive matches I just love the way she survived I like the short angles she can find her ability to take the ball on the rise that backhand drop shot is Vandrusova-esque in its compellingness and effectiveness I'm all in on Havlinska. And if you haven't watched her play again, what's going to be her weapon moving forward? How does she make life easy for herself? That is certainly going to be the biggest question for her. But if you're at all impatient or don't have your best stuff, she's going to make you pay because for a 20 year old, the delta between her ceiling and her floor, uh, it's just not like it's just incredibly minimal again, for someone that age. So credit to Maya Chalinska, currently at a new career high, number 160 in the live rankings for the 20-year-old. I'm telling you, just keep an eye out for her. But, you know, we said it's going to be Iga's tournament to lose. It still is very much Iga's tournament to lose in Warsaw. And by the way, Iga, routine 3-2 and two victory over the lefty, Gabriella Lee, who, or lefty is Lee? Or just, I know she had the one-handed back, and I don't remember if she was a lefty or not. I'm, I apologize. A lot of tennis today, but Three and two for Ika. The reason I don't remember the status of Lee is because while there was only one break of serve in the first set, you were just like, all right, when does Ika want to turn it on? Or when is Ika going to play at even 80% of her capacity, let alone the 65% she was at today? She just cruised and 18 consecutive victories for her on clay courts to start the season. Like, When's the next time Ika loses a clay court match? Ashley Barty's not walking through that door anytime too soon. It would take some sort of special serving performance from a Rabakina or a Sabalenka or like one of those players you feel like because if you can't hurt Iga and do something extraordinary or extraordinary, as the layman says, she's just going to kill you. And that's why I'm excited for that Caroline Garcia matchup tomorrow because Garcia does go big on the serve. She does go big early in the rally and she's playing extraordinarily confidently with nothing to lose. That said, give me Iga two and two, like two and three. I just, as deep as Garcia is going to hit the ball, once Iga has her on the move, it's over. And so, you know, again, Iga 1-0 career head-to-head. That's a fun match. Jasmine Paulini taking on Victoria Golovic. Golovic has just survived three-set victory over Mladenovic uh, for her uh, to advance today. Uh, again, it's a fun matchup between her and Paulini. She's got a three-love head-to-head advantage over the Italian, who was impressive in a three-set victory over Clara Burel today, of course. You have a surprise quarterfinalist in Katerina Bindel. Uh, Bindel, the 6-2-3 love advancement after Sarah Ronnie forced to retire from the match. You also had, again, Garcia doing what she does best, 3-5 and five victory over Cochiretto. Garcia just continuing to rock and roll. Now back into uh, the top, I believe, yeah, 50. Uh, and back up to number 44 
in uh, the live rankings. You look for Garcia, 28th in the points race. She's been a top 32 player again, of course, with someone who was a world number four, still just 28 years old. What, is there only room for one of her Muguruza at the top of the rankings? Don't have enough, not enough room in this town for the both of them. And so, you know, again, ultimately, Iga advancing. But my story of the day, as good as Martich was, and by the way, Martich was extraordinarily measured. Again, finding the inside-in forehand, moving in behind that ball. I actually thought she hit through her backhand better today against Khalinska than is normally the case. But of course, Khalinska as the depth and the elevation was gracious. Again, there weren't really weapons to push Martich with. And so that was a fascinating match. I think Martich is going to be on, what, a nine-match win streak when she faces Iga Svantec in the final. But it's just a bad matchup. I like The only bad matchup left for Iga, and it's not even a bad matchup, is Caroline Garcia in this upcoming quarterfinal. Because at least Garcia, with the serve, her aggressiveness, has some weapons to make Iga uncomfortable with. Nevertheless, again, really fun set of quarterfinals. Iga versus Garcia, Paulini Golubic, Martich versus Bandel, Bogdan versus Pagosi. Iga, 77.7% chance to win the event. Martich, 12.5% after that. Everything is fairly negligible, but that recaps what was an exciting day, dare I say a great day, and a perfect foreshadow of what the future looks like on the WTA Tour. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With that said, let's move over to the ATP side. We've spent so much time focusing on the ATP this week, so I'm going to go a little bit quicker through some of today's matches. Do you like kick serves? Do you like serving and volleying? Do you like picking on backhand returns and having guys so far off the court that they're hitting from the back fence because of how well executed the kick serve was? Well, then you really liked Yannick Hanifman versus Dominic Team today. Hanifman, a 6-4-3-6-6-4 victory over Team. And teams run, obviously, in the Kitzbühel quarterfinals. And he goes quarterfinals, semifinals, quarterfinals. His last three ATP events certainly a sign that he's headed in the right direction for team who played a three-setter yesterday against Sebastian Ofner for him to come back and, you know, again, be able to play with the physicality he did. Certainly impressive. Now, some of you fans are going to say, well, you know, what's it, didn't he choke in this match? Wasn't it for all 15-40 in that third set? The answer is yes, it was. But A, Hoffman came up with a ridiculous out wide serve on the deuce side to fight off match point number one, came up with a really good plus one ball on the ad side to save off match point number two and just was high percentage play. Like again, the elevation of Kitzbühel is going to force that ball to jump that much higher and seem as though there's that much more action on it. Does anyone have a better kick serve on the ATP tour than Yannick Hoffman, who is feels no shame in lining up next to the doubles alley on that ad side to give himself that much more ability to create that much more angle on the serve. And I think he serves and volleys extraordinarily well. He finds that first forehand extraordinarily well. So much to be impressed by for the, uh, I guess, no longer young German. You look for Hanifman, who, of course, again, these conditions, high bouncing, high altitude, they're perfect for the 30-year-old former USC All-American. And God, 
I say this every time I look at Yannick Hoffman's age. How is Yannick Hoffman 30? Wasn't it yesterday? It was a decade ago, I guess, that he clinched that 2020, uh, 2012 NCAA championship as well as the national indoors for Stevie Johnson in that fourth year of the four-peat at USC. But Man, I'm a, I've always been captivated by Hanifman's game. He was the original prototype to me. There's a short list of guys, him, Alex Damajan, a few others where you were just like, because I really, you know, was very much into the college game, maybe even more so than the pro game early on in my life. You were just like these 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", zombies who all move as if they have the hips of a 6'2 person and the fluidity of one. It's just unfair. It's just ridiculous. And by the way, as I'm talking to you about Yannick Hoffman. He just liked my tweet, giving him a shout out. So shout out to you once again, Yannick Hoffman, who's into a fourth career ATP semifinal and second for him in Kitzbühel. And now uh, for Yannick Hoffman, certainly going to be a tough test as he is going to take on, I believe, the winner. Oh no, a very winnable match for Yannick Hoffman as he'll face the winner of Dusan Lajevic and Philip Misolic, of course, the deuce. All due respect, I don't think he's quite the player he once was and that kick serve into the Lajevic one-handed backhand. That's a matchup nightmare for the Deuce. Meanwhile, Philip Misalic, the young Austrian player, wild card, still alive in his first professional quarterfinal. I mean, this is an opportunity for Hanifman to get back to the final. And if he wins another match, gets to the final, that gets him all the way back up into the top 120. Now he's going to get into U.S. Open qualifying for sure, but good summer results. Now you're flirting with that U.S. Open main draw. Interessante for Yannick Hoffman. Of course, top half of the draw, Albert Ramos Vinolas. Uh, he is the litmus test for what it takes to be a top 25 player. And even though he has the eyes of the of a serial killer, the 34 year old, into another quarterfinal on clay courts, it's his uh, fifth, nope, sixth. ATP-level quarterfinal on clay courts of the season. You look for him since the start of 2021. It's now his 11th quarterfinal on clay since the start of last season. If that's not, again, the benchmark for what being a top 25 player on clay looks like, I don't know what is. Ramos Vanola is going to take on RBA after RBA survives 4-6-7-5-7-5 over Yuri Lachetchka. Boy, was Lachetchka close to a signature victory here in this 2022 season. Of course, the 20-year-old Czech, already 68 in the world rankings, three off his career high, which he reached last year. He just has the weapons. His serve, his forehand, his backhand, his willingness and ability to step inside the baseline, follow those balls in, the touch he displays, the fitness he displays as well, the movement for a guy who's not the biggest in the world. I love Lechechka. All in on him. Had this match in San serve for the match against RBA, but RBA going to RBA. And while RBA, in my opinion, is a relatively predictable game, he's going to go and attack that ad side corner. He's going after a righty's backhand with his inside out forehand until he's, I believe, there to open up the inside in forehand, or he just has you so stretched and so scrambled that you're in trouble. Uh, Lachetchka got comfortable against that rhythm, but just wasn't quite able to match the physicality of RPA, who advances to just another quarterfinal. Again, another ho-hummer for result for RPA, who's really not that great on clay, uh, but he's pretty solid. And obviously he is, you know, for RPA now, you look for him in the live rankings, sitting at number 19, RPA currently 18th in the points race as well. Yeah, epitomizes what a top 20 player should look like, just beats who he's supposed to beat week in, week out. With that said, uh, let's move on now to the action happening in Umag, and we'll go through this quickly. 
Carlos Alcaraz right now playing his first match of the tournament in Croatia. I believe he's the defending champion. I believe. Oh no, Alcaraz six two six three in an hour and a half over Norbert Gombos, getting things started the right way. You know, obviously he's coming off of a final last week where uh, he lost to Lorenzo Musetti in Hamburg. And speaking of Musetti, I think just legs ran out for him. Four and three loss to Marco Cecinato, the qualifier having an exceptional week uh, here. And you look for him, Cecinato now back up to number 135 in the world rankings. But he just wore Musetti down, had a moving corner to corner. Fun match between two guys with explosive one-handed backhands. Ultimately, Cecinato able to advance Fasundo Bagnus, a win over Quarantine Mute. And then how about Franco Agamenone? First ATP main draw for him now into his first ATP quarterfinal. Agamenone... It's been excellent over the last 52 weeks. You look for him overall now, and so much of it has been at the challenger level. Um, but overall now, 44-29 and 29 in his last 52, of course, has three challenger finals. All of them coming on clay courts in the last 52 weeks. It was 136, which is a career high for him, entering the week now with this success. Agamemnone uh, up to a new career high of number 120 in the live rankings. One more victory. We'll see him enter the top 110. Okay, Franco Agamemnone, I see you. And now you look for Agamemnone. Why can't he beat Marco Cecinato? Cecinato hasn't had that much more success uh, than the Italians. So certainly that'll be a fun one. And, you know, you look at tomorrow's matchups. RCB, Carbeas Bena versus Sinner. Agamemnone versus Cecinato. Zapata Morales versus Zepieri. Bagnus versus Alcaraz. Everything is pointing to a Carlos Alcaraz-Yannick Sinner rematch. And isn't that just the gift all of us tennis fans deserve? I would say yes to that answer. So that's your action over in Umag. And then again, as I mentioned, in Atlanta, 7-5-6-3 win for Adrian Manorino to get things started with today's matches. But still got three to go. Brooksby versus Mackey, Demonauer Duckworth, Shelton versus Isner, the nightcap. Of course, we'll talk about all of those matches on tomorrow's show after they've occurred. But for now, that'll do it for today's mini break podcast. A shout out, as always, to super producer Daniel Westoff for the of an uh, of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of these content possible. As you can see, I stumble over my words all the time, and he at least makes it so you hear me do that less frequently on these podcasts. Best in the business, of course, a shout out to our friends at Tennis Point as well, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15, and we'll be back tomorrow to update all of you on what should be an exciting championship weekend action in the professional tennis world with all of that said for our super producer Danny Westoff our friends at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I'm your host Alex Gruskin you know what we say that's the break we'll talk to you all tomorrow thanks everyone Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens.